Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. As always, today we're going to talk about the Sunday slate of NFL games, talk week 12 openers, and then wrap with some discussion of a uh, fairly monstrous Monday night football game between the Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, we'll get to that at the end. But first, Drew, what were your big takeaways from Sunday? Monstrous for a different reason than most of the primetime games we're talking about. Monstrous to the good. Um, I mean, the most important thing that happened this week happened on Thursday, right? Yeah, I agree. There's, it felt <laughs> it was a strange Sunday yeah. where a lot happened. It felt yeah. largely much ado about nothing, though. I'm not sure anything really changed in a meaningful sense. Yeah, yeah, we agree. Um, good, uh, good, good, good win, uh, outright win for the Packers. Uh, needed that one. That was nice. Uh, good uh, cover by the Bears. Oh, so close to upsetting the Lions. Um, that would have been pretty uh, pretty tasty. Uh, commanders with the chance to really assert themselves for you know playoff consideration in the wild card spot. Uh, just completely dumping that game to the Giants was weird. Um, and uh, yes, Steelers Browns was about as ugly as you would have expected. Uh, no Tomlin voodoo. Uh, this time as the Browns come through three-point wins. But yeah, the uh, the most important thing in terms of the fabric of the championship pursuit of 2023 is that Joe Burrow is no longer part of it. Um, that was a weird uh, injury that he sustained on Thursday Night Football um, and really just huge, you know, like tremendously big weekend for Ravens futures holders. Like Not just the win against uh, Cincinnati, but now... Uh, you know the the um, the Browns losing their quarterback and still finding a way to beat the Steelers was huge for their equity in terms of getting a one or two seed. Um, and uh, I still have huge questions about the Ravens, and we'll I'm sure vi- revisit those in the coming weeks as they have some pretty high profile matchups. But um, they were the biggest winners of Week 11, and I think it was not by it was not close. Like <laughs> that was huge, huge, huge for them. Um, the Dolphins with the kind of an ugly win against the Raiders. Uh, it was not inspiring, not not even remotely inspiring. Uh, and uh, you know the 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 class of the NFC and at least what we've seen so far with Dallas and San Francisco were both just absolutely lights out tonight or today. So um, yeah, it's I guess the uh, you know the the um, your commentary. Nothing really happened. <laughs> it's kind of right. Uh, then, uh, yeah, Joe Burrow's done. So, really a few stinks. books, 
a few books drifted the Ravens after that win over the Bengals because they lost Mark Andrews for the season. That was wrong. They shouldn't have drifted them because you would have traded, I think, Mark Andrews for getting that win, I think, just because of the the repercussions in terms of the division where in the market they affect – I mean, it's coupled with the Burrow injury and it's tough to extricate from that. But, I mean, they went from basically uh, slightly above evens to like minus 220 like after one game. That's massive. And also they get – you know, the one seed feels like it's going to be – between Kansas City and Baltimore, particularly given that Kansas City have the tiebreaker over Miami and Kansas City as well. They're another big winner just because they still have Cincinnati on their schedule. Yeah, and true. that is huge because they only really had, outside of the Eagles game, which we'll get to, they had two really, I mean, not really difficult, but difficult-ish games left uh, in home to Buffalo and home Cincinnati, I guess at Chargers if you want to include that, but it doesn't feel that difficult at the moment. Uh, and the <laughs> fact that one of those now goes from being, you know, close to a coin toss to close to a layup, that is massive for yeah. the Chiefs. But in terms of the Sunday uh, mm-hmm. action, I mean, there's some interesting stuff in terms of uh, futures markets and awards, and we'll get to that through the week. Uh, I think the two biggest takeaways from that though are one uh brock purdy is now lapping everyone in the league in uh basically every key statistical indicator for a quarterback uh and needs to be in the mvp discussion uh beyond my uh very kind of self-interested uh position in that market and having purdy but i mean he's if you're leading everyone in epa per play qbr passer rating on what looks like it might be the best team in football even if the record doesn't reflect that at the moment you have to be in the mvp mix uh miles garrett just kind of feels like he's going to win defensive player of the year at this point now that they got that really key win i know parsons will be heard from but garrett with what that team is doing the fact that that team now is on seven and three, having started three different quarterbacks, and they have an easy schedule to close, and uh, the playoffs are looking very uh, much uh, well, not locked up, but trending towards that position for uh, the Browns. My only other takeaway from the slate is that I don't think Detroit are a very serious team with that defense. I understand they had turnovers, uh, which are fluky, but these weren't fluky turnovers. These were just Jared Goff playing really poorly and just not seeing guys. So how did your opinion of Detroit change after today? Well, I love the Bears. So, <laughs> so kind of what I expected, which was going to be, it was, it was, I was an opportunity to get sp- you know, get punked um, by a team that was that that you know that is playing a lot better right now. I guess if you want me to have a uh, like a sincere takeaway here, the fact that uh, the Lions generated over 100 yards on the ground against what has been one of the better rush defenses in the NFL in the last handful of weeks that was impressive because that means that like you're a little bit you know if you're able to do it against a unit who is playing that well. Um, then you're going to be able to do it against everybody. And now they draw the Packers, who you can push around, right? And so, yeah, I think you know Lions will probably still be in the mix for a one or a two seed, I suppose, uh, just because their schedule is so much weaker. Um, but, yes, that defense is happable. If your quarterback is playing good on a given day, you know, and your running attack, you know, if you're if your run blocking is going well on a given day, uh, you're going to have success against that defense. And I think that actually... That's a that's more of a like 
are these guys serious contenders for a Super Bowl? And my answer would be squarely no because of that weakness that we've now identified and is not getting better. So, um, you know, there's going to be some playoff game where they just get boat raced and it's only a matter of time. Yep. I'd say the other thing too is that I think we can close to put to bed the CJ Stroud MVP campaign, which never felt real to begin with throwing three picks today. I know he gets the win, but the reality is, is that he's got four losses already. Yeah. If he runs a slate, fine. He can be an MVP candidate, but 12 and 5, where he's behind it uh, to a lot of quarterbacks now in a lot of key metrics. Here's the thing it's like, if you want to keep, keep um, treat CJ Stroud as like a top tier MVP candidate, then based off of that logic, Dak Prescott should be close to MVP favorite. Because if you look at his numbers, the only thing that's holding him back is the fact that he's got three losses relative to Mahomes and Hurts having yeah. two and one. And Stroud has four, and Dak's numbers are better than Stroud's, and he's got a better team, and he projects to be better going forward. So the fact even that Dak is still longer in the – Dak is twice Stroud's price to win MVP, which is insane. Yeah. Dak Prescott is much more likely to win MVP than CJ Stroud for mine. Uh, but that sets up what will be uh, one of the games of next week, which is uh, Jacksonville at Houston in a game oh, that will God. probably decide uh, the AFC South or at least go yep. a long way to doing so because if Jacksonville win, then they go two games clear of Houston. Uh, they halve the tiebreak. I believe they will have the divisional tiebreak because – Jackson, uh, because Houston lost to the Colts yeah. uh, and the Jags have been taking care of business elsewhere in the division. Uh, and then if Houston win, then they lock up the tiebreak because they beat Jacksonville in the first meeting. So that'll be a massive game and we will get to that. Uh, anything else from Sunday you wanted to hit on before we go to the openers? I think one thing to comment on um, about the AFC South because a lot of these other divisions are starting to feel pretty decided. <laughs> FC South is one that I do think we have to keep our eyes on. Um, and you bring up a, exactly the right uh, kind of uh, framing for this week's matchup, which is going to be hugely impactful. Um, but I went into the Titans-Jags game with some skepticism about the Jags offense. Right? Like, there was a lot that they have not been showing us. <laughs> and uh, the buzz all week was Trevor Lawrence's knee injury and his mobility, and Doug Peterson's coming out and making statements about it. And there was kind of, uh, you know, smoking whispers and, you know, people very, very concerned that uh, this was, you know, a pretty serious injury. He looked great today. Trevor Lawrence was incredible. He was scrambling like, you know, he had purpose in the red zone. I thought that unlocked some stuff for the Jags who have been a little bit clunky in the red zone this season. Uh, and I think uh, Ridley finding his stride and some, con- you know, some connection there between Ridley and Lawrence. Like that's what this team needed badly. And basically every question you had going into this game about the Jags offense was answered with a emphatic we are good. And they did it against the Titans defense, which is, if not perfectly awesome, at least is well-coordinated and has a couple of blue shippers. So, uh, you know, it was not a trivial uh, thing for the Jags to do what they did today, I thought, offensively. And I think we should recognize that. So um, pretty impressed uh, by that unit in general today. Yep. Trevor Lawrence was 0.58 EPA per play. And so that's about twice as good as Patrick Mahomes' MVP season last year. So he was 
pretty good. He still doesn't look – he doesn't look 100% to me, but he looks close enough to it to be able to perform and put up 0.58 EPO per play in a 91 QBR. Uh, against not a great defense, but a competent enough defense where that can be impressive regardless. Uh, so I think Trevor Lawrence, uh, that was a big takeaway just because – he he'd shown so little the previous two weeks in terms of his ability to scramble uh, and use his legs at all, uh, and the fact that you know he was able to scramble for a touchdown. The fact they even called a designed run for him. He didn't do a ton on the ground. He went for seventeen yards, but scores two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, averages eight point two yards per pass attempt. Like he was, he looked a lot more like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, than he had the past couple of weeks. And coupled with a defense that is just really solid in Jacksonville, uh, outside of getting boat raced by the Niners, who I think are going to do that to uh, most teams in the NFL, uh, they, I mean, we'll get to the opener in a sec, but I think they're just a better team than the Texans, and that's why they are still the relative heavy favorite mm-hmm. to win that division. But Stroud has certainly showed a ceiling that you know any home game uh, is eminently winnable yeah i got one other question for you before we move off today's results um the bills fire offensive coordinator ken dorsey last week on monday and uh in a short week um they win a convincing scoreboard final score here 5.5 yards per play uh it didn't really feel like the offense was fixed and I know that when you're playing with as much of a lead as the Bills were for a lot of this game, uh, it's uh, it's tough to really draw any conclusions about what to make the Bills because the Bills the Bills have some super high profile games coming up. Like, yeah. like we're going to talk about the Bills every week a lot from now until Christmas, and uh, I don't really have any specific opinions about how the offense was said, but I wasn't impressed. I guess what I was kind of looking for some feedback on is. Was is the Bills' defense fixing things, or was that entirely just Zach Wilson? Is this is it for him? No, I don't think there's much to read into it either way. I mean, it's good that you keep any any NFL team to six points, but bad Zach Wilson in a real bad way showed up today. A worse version than the guy that we saw on have seen in either of the two Sunday Night Football games that he's played in uh, against the Chiefs and the Raiders. I mean, he was just terrible and. I mean, the thing with the Bills, too, is that like they've lost a lot of guys on defense, but they haven't really lost guys from their pass rush. And they've still got Floyd and Rousseau and whatever's left of Von Miller, and they were able to get Wilson under pressure, and he was just doing the thing again where he just doesn't see the linebacker, which he never yeah. sees. <laughs> uh, I don't... I just I don't understand the discourse around the Bills, really. I think that their offense is fantastic. Like they have a top three yeah. offense by EPA per play. This is an elite offense. I don't think there's anything wrong with it outside of uh Allen is just gonna have one moment of madness each game and you hope it's one instead of three. <laughs> and apparently, yeah, his receivers against the Broncos forgot that he throws the ball really hard. Uh and it was coming off of their hands for incompletions and deflect picks. So I think their offense is fine. Like they have a Super Bowl winning level offense. The defense is the issue where again, and that's the concern is going into this game against Philadelphia next week. Uh, Dane Jackson gets concussed yeah. in the secondary. Uh, Taylor App is you know, backup safety, not that important, but Teron Johnson as well, he gets concussed. Uh, so now, I you hope know, Taylor App is better, but, but in the pure football sense, looking at the matchup next week, 
They've lost three more guys from their secondary after already losing Trey White, after losing Matt Milano, who helps in coverage, uh, after losing Daquan Jones, who's a really good member of their defense. Uh, one, I think we're going to see Demar Hamlin again next week. Yeah, uh, Demar Hamlin time. Yep. Yeah, get ready for his <laughs> comeback player of the year price to cave again. And yeah, I don't read too much into the performance against Zach Wilson because uh, Zach Wilson wasn't able to do anything at all against the New York Giants uh, and hasn't been able to do anything against really any NFL team. So I think we will get uh, we will get some proof of what the Bills' defense is like, whether it has made any improvements against the Eagles. And I suspect that we'll find out that, no, it's not very good. But their offense is very good uh, and they can win a shootout, but they're probably not going to be winning too many games uh, in this manner going forward. All right, before we get to the openers, uh, your final helping of NFL football on Thanksgiving night is a battle of NFC West foes as Christian McCaffrey. What, we don't have Brock Purdy in the promo? <laughs> Unbelievable. Christian McCaffrey in the 49ers traveled to Seattle to face the Seahawks, plus the holiday weekend wraps up on Sunday night in a star-studded matchup. Oh, a couple quarterbacks in this promo when Lamar Jackson <laughs> and the Chargers in Los Angeles. I would like to rename Thanksgiving in America for 2023 Brock Purdy Day. I uh, hope everyone gets a full serving of Brock uh, on Thursday night as they watch the uh, preempt, um, presumptive MVP uh, carve up the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, anyway, we will do a full Wednesday episode <laughs> dedicated to NFL games on Thanksgiving. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. I'll just quickly read out the lines for the Thanksgiving games. Uh, the Lions are seven and a half point favorites home to the Packers. That seems a bit too big for me. Uh, the Cowboys, ten and a half favorites home to the woeful Commanders. And the Niners, who uh, 24 hours ago were four and a half point favorites against the Seahawks, they are now minus six. Uh, and then the Friday game is Dolphins minus seven at the Jets. That's also ticked up. Does anything from that grouping or any of the Sunday games? or the Monday game, jump out to you uh, as being wrong. Man, I mean, it's a gigantic number in Dallas, Jay. They are asking me to bet the commanders. <laughs> I don't want to do that. It's a huge number, man. Is, is it? Is it? Yes, it's a huge number. Um, it's a big number in Detroit. Uh, although, as we yeah. kind of talked about, if Detroit can get their ground game going against Chicago, then it should have no problem going against Green Bay. Uh, that's probably an underlook at 46. Um, the Niners-Seattle game, I think that's Niners or pass. Uh, I don't know really what you take away from the Seattle-Rams game today, but the fact that the Seattle found a way to lose that one, good Lord. Like, this good. is not a serious team. <laughs> they are not serious. And yet they're still probably going to be your sixth seed. 
because that's the state of the NFC right now. <laughs> um, but uh, they are, you know, I mean, they're they are they match up quite poorly with San Francisco. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you know, <clears throat> the disrespect for Purdy is palpable. Uh, he should be in the promos <laughs> the way he's playing. He leads all players in the NFL this year in terms of expected points added total. Yeah. He has been the best player in football this year, Jay. Mr. Irrelevant from last year. And that, that includes games where he was concussed. <laughs> that includes games where he was playing against the Cleveland Browns defense and a just a wet storm on the road. Like he's even with some of these, you know, outlier performances, he is still number one with a bullet. And uh he's gonna give you know, he's going to give Seattle the business in here, this one, because there's nothing Seattle can do to match up well against this Niners team. Look, been looking forward to this one for a while. We talked about it in the preseason. We talked about why San Francisco was the, you know, the the most likely uh, favorite to win their division. You know, a lot of reasons here about this particular matchup not favoring Seattle. Um, and now you add to that that Seattle is being coached by. Uh, you know, uh, Pete Carroll, who's definitely lost his fastball, from what I can tell you, if he ever even had it, uh, at least for the NFL. So, um, it, uh, you know, Niners is the only favorite that I'm really, uh, you know, tuned in on here, uh, looking at uh, anything under seven. If I had to guess, I would say high likelihood that closes seven or above. Yep, I don't mind that. Yeah, look, honestly, uh, bias aside, if I had an MVP ballot, I think my ballot would be one Purdy, two Prescott, three Mahomes. Oh, uh, Jay, my, come on. Miles Purdy, Purdy, no, Purdy and uh, Prescott have been fine. Great, They've been great, but you can't put them out of Pat Mahomes. Well, he hasn't had a great year today, Mahomes. He doesn't really, outside of being Patrick Mahomes. My thing with Mahomes' MVP is that I'm projecting that he will get better as the rest of the year goes on, and he's positioned himself to win the one seed. But, I mean, on current performance, and a lot of it is built, uh, a lot of his flaws are around drops and things outside of his control. But, I mean, and a lot of it, too, is the Denver game where he was sick. But, I mean, that's still a game that he played, and those those interceptions okay. and that loss counts. Even if he was sick, uh, you have to hold that against him but so, to some degree. So, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think I would vote Purdy at the moment. He's lapping the field in all key stats. And <laughs> the other thing, too, is that no one ever will ever give him credit for this, but the Niners do not have a good offensive line outside no. of Trent Williams. And the idea that they are this superstar juggernaut, and if you put Mac Jones on the Niners, he'd be doing the exact same things as Brock Purdy. No, I don't think so. He's got one good offensive lineman, at least one materially impactful offensive lineman, and then he's had a revolving cast of injuries, and uh, he's still, by margin, been uh, the most efficient quarterback uh, and player in football. Uh, in terms of these other games, a couple others I wanted to call out. We're recording right now in the first quarter of Sunday Night Football, but the Broncos win this. I I think they'll be slightly bigger than one-point favorites against the Browns. DTR did not. I know he got them down the field at the end and he won the game, but, I mean, to win 13-10 at home when Kenny Pickett was serving up that, not ultra impressive. So I suspect the Broncos probably get bigger than one-point favorites. The Rams with Cup injured and under some doubt, we'll see what happens there. I'm not sure they should be two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Kyler Murray. That was the other one that leapt out to me. 
I strongly agree with both of those looks. Arizona and Denver as two uh, two small home chalks, or you know, once they once once the Rams line adjusts, I think <laughs> Arizona will be small home chalk. Uh, those both of those, as long as they're under three points, I think are fun bets. Um, and you know, it's tough to bet into a Buffalo Philly line because number one, it's not widely available yet, and we don't exactly know how Philly's going to come out of this Monday Night Football game from a health standpoint. But uh, forty seven points in that game. I mean that's 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 a joke, right? Like either of these offenses is capable of hitting forty. <laughs> I don't understand why the total is forty-seven. Yeah, no, I agree there. I kind of lean Eagles as well. Uh, we'll see. Just with all the injuries that Buffalo are dealing with, and understanding that it's a shorter week for the Eagles, they're traveling back from Kansas City. They may have some injury concerns of their own after that game, but uh, I've got some concerns about. I just think of how. How Burrow moves the ball against the Bills, and it's not like the Bills' personnel situation is going to be any better, really, than that yeah. game. Uh, and now they go up against the Eagles, uh, who can gash them on the ground as well. So I will need the Bills in that game for various futures positions, but uh, not super confident, even though I do believe in Josh Allen. All right, before we get to Eagles Chiefs, a reminder that Bet the Edge is in the only show every weekday during the NFL season. You can also check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, Connor Rogers, and me. It airs live on Peacock at noon Eastern, re-airs at 4 p.m., and it's available on our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. All right, Monday Night Football. I'm scared, Drew. I'm scared. I'm going to be walking <laughs> around with fear, uh, weighing down my shoes all Monday because I need the Chiefs. I need the Chiefs real bad in this game for a variety uh, of positions. A lot of Patrick Mahomes, a lot of anti-Jalen Hurts, a lot of uh, pro-Cowboys, uh, a lot of pro just pro things that aren't the Philadelphia Eagles. Really need them to lose <laughs> this game. If the Chiefs want to win by one or two, by all means just like to get the Eagles beat. And I feel relatively confident that the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think that there is a lot of low-hanging fruit in their offense that they can fix. Uh, And I think that Andy Reid off the bye, Mahomes off the bye, I think that they will be able to – I'm very confident that they will be able to score uh, heavily on the Eagles uh, based on – what they did in the Super Bowl, based on what Dak Prescott did to this Eagles defense last time we saw them. What I'm not so sure about is what it's going to look like on the other side and whether the Eagles are just going to be running for six yards of carry against the Kansas City defense that cannot stop the run. Now, if Mahomes is throwing for nine yards an attempt and the Eagles are running for six yards to carry, then that's probably okay, but I am a bit nervous, and I'm a bit nervous too that maybe the week off has fixed whatever's wrong with Jalen Hurts' knee, 
Uh, so, look, the Eagles are good enough that they can obviously win any given game, but I lean Chiefs here. Uh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, you need the Chiefs just to win. I, I think I need the Chiefs to win by three. <laughs> okay. Sure. Right on five. We can tell you for 500 yards. Your point about the bye week giving Hurts an opportunity to get right is fair. I think it's going to take an offseason, though. I, whatever is dealing, he's dealing with is not like a rest, recoup, make you feel better kind of thing. I don't think. <clears throat> that said, um, the Chiefs run defense is a question mark. It's a problem. Um, I look at it in a lot of ways schematically, and I think they're they're asking you to do that. Uh, and when the going gets tough, when your back's against the wall, when you have to pass on this team, it's very, very, very hard. They are playing supremely well uh, in pass defense. And I think the one example where we saw another team playing this well in pass defense this season consistently was the Jets. And the Jets beat the Eagles, and they did it pretty convincingly, I thought, with their defense against the Eagles' offense. So um, I could see the uh, Kansas City defense putting up a similar effort to what the Jets' defense did in terms of keeping the Eagles into the you know under 20. I agree with you as well that the offense for the Chiefs is going to have a lot of opportunities to succeed down the field. Most of the issues with this offense, I do think, just like you said, it is fixable stuff and some self-evaluation, a little bit of uh, self-scouting in the bye week and, you know, Andy Reid presumably pulling out some of the good plays for this game because it's such a high leverage game. I think that's realistic. that, that, That makes sense to me. Um, I would expect that, uh, you know, the Eagles secondary and their spine of this defense is not something that is going to get fixed overnight. It's not something that you can really scheme a way to be successful defensively against the Chiefs offense with, you know, with the healthy uh, Travis Kelsey out there. I'd love to see some targets, more targets to Rasheed Rice. I would like to see more targets. I would like to see more snaps for Jarek McKinnon, less for Isaiah Pacheco. Like, I think that screen game is going to be extremely effective against this Eagles. You know, this they're, they're aggressive front four. Like, if you can put that uh, unit on its heels, I think you can absolutely succeed in terms of sustaining drive. So, very excited to see what Andy Reid has up his sleeve in terms of screen game. Uh, and I think, ultimately, uh, this is uh, Chiefs, Chiefs to lose. Chiefs home field advantage is notably significant this time of year in Kansas City as well. So, um, you know, you got the the fan fan support here to get help you get uh, some some hard fought, fought stops and some hard fought uh, uh, you know conversions to put this game away. The game state that scares me the most is um, a couple of floppy turnovers for the Chiefs early in this game and letting this thing slip away before we get to halftime. Because your point about the running game for the Eagles being able to put the Chiefs in a tough, tough, tough spot as they are milking the clock and putting away a lead, I think is very real. Uh, I think the most sound betting path for this game, in, in no uncertain terms, if the Eagles have a lead at halftime, there are going to be very few possessions in the second half. <laughs> there is going to be very few points. Uh, so Eagles with the lead at halftime, I think the under is pretty solid. Um, and uh, just in general, I think Chiefs with the lead at halftime is uh, solid for the under as well because of you know their past defense matching up so well against the Eagles in comeback mode. So um, if there is a, uh, a one or two, you know, a seven to seven, I, I will say seven plus margin, at the halftime of this game, I think second half under is going to be the bet of the week. 
Okay, yeah. I'm not too worried about game state unless it's five minutes to go and the Eagles are salting away the clock and the Chiefs can't get off the field because they can't stop the run. Outside of that, I just think that Mahomes is so effective game state independent. Like, does game state mean Patrick Mahomes throws a bit more? Okay, that's all right. Uh, I expect (laughs) that he'll be able to succeed. I... uh, there is one interesting, other interesting thing with this game to me, which is that generally in terms of just like blanket trends of, you know, the home team covers 55% of the time when they're a six-point uh, favorite or whatever. Like to me, I just generally throw that stuff out because like why does it matter? Do you think that book the market is just in, like uh, terrible at pricing home teams that are six-point favorites? Like no, it's just noise at that point. But I do think... There is some signal in the fact that I believe Mahomes has been uh, a favorite of less than a field goal or a dog 20 times in his career and has covered 16 times. Wow. I think that is real because what that tells me is that, one, uh, they use the real plays, uh, <laughs> which um, they didn't really use in the second half against Miami as they were trying to sort away the clock. Absolutely. So, one, they use the real plays in real games. And then, two, they just pass more often. And they crank up the pass uh, and they put the ball more in Mahomes' hands because they understand uh, the situation. Whereas, you know, if you're a uh, nine-point favorite against the Broncos or whatever, maybe you're more willing to just run the ball a bit more. But when you're a less than a field goal favorite against the Philadelphia Eagles in primetime in a game that if you win, if the Chiefs win this, they're going to be like 65 70% to get the one seed. And if they lose it, then all of a sudden they fall back into a tie in terms of losses with what Baltimore, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Miami. All of a sudden the complexion of the season is entirely different based on whether they win or lose this game. So just in terms of team incentive and how they will call plays, I think we're getting all the good stuff uh, on Monday night. <laughs> I think we're getting all of Andy Reid's best stuff. I think we're getting... Patrick Mahomes at his highest possible level. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball more than he usually will, and I think that bodes well for the Chiefs. So everything uh, in my head points Chiefs. Uh, My gut says the Eagles win by two because I'm just kind of a pessimist in general with this kind of stuff. But uh, I do think the Chiefs will win, and I do think they will cover uh, at home. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, go Chiefs. For the love of God, go Chiefs. And we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.